You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension comprised of knowledge, opinions, and entertainment. A journey on a virtual information highway into a wondrous land whose boundaries are more distant than the outer reaches of the Twitter sphere. Your next stop, the Trend Zone. Hello and welcome to the Trend Zone, Dave. And we are the footballers. Are you ready, brother? Yes. <laughs> You've just crossed over into the Trend Zone. In today's episode, we'll talk about Super Bowl 56. Oh, yeah. And not much else, Casey. So, but before we get to that, let's get it started with a tasty nug for the people. So what you got? Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, You know, huge bowl equals tons of eyeballs, man. The final numbers are in for Super Bowl 56. Total audience averaged over 112 million people with a total reach of 167 million, Dave. That is a grande fiesta that made Super Bowl 56 the most watched TV show in five years since Teflon Tuami and the New England Patriots um, came back to stomp those Falcons after the 28-3 deficit in Super Bowl 51. <laughs> yep. I guess these close games really get the people's eyeballs and, and, and they lock them on case. The average audience for this one, 11.2 million, though, watched on peacock casey what that's the cord 10%. cutters dave wow that's a big yeah. number that's bigger than i would have expected yeah that's no what question. she said <laughs> no question about that man all right casey let's move along it was super bowl 56 at sofi stadium in los angeles california the most radical place to see a football game on the planet and our los angeles rams defeated the cincinnati Bengals. By a score of 23 to 20, Casey. This was a really close football game. It was 13 to 10 at half. The Bengals got out in front for a while there towards the end. It was 2016. Rams able to take the lead late and shut down the Bengals to finish the deal off. Casey, you were at the game, dude. You must be loaded with cash. What was your experience like there seeing the game live at SoFi? Davis, from all that football betting we do all season long, that's even more reason why people need to tune in and find out how I'm making all that money, dude. Um, Yeah, surprisingly, it was super efficient getting to the game and getting in. Of course, we left like, you know, I left my house 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, went and picked up a friend, you know, in Hollywood and then drove down to the stadium and it was, you know, the freeway was pretty easy getting there. They had parking, you know, a few miles away. So um, down by LAX, not that anybody knows where that is. So it was a little tough getting to that structure. But once we were there, um, they were shuttling people over. And, uh, you know, the shuttle line were pretty long. But some entrepreneurs were coming up and, you know, charging 10 bucks a head to get you right down to the stadium. Went ahead and uh, stayed with the shuttle, but uh, <laughs> they had uh, lanes designated for transport from the different uh, auxiliary parking structures. So it was super efficient, dude. So nice. between when I got on the shuttle and got to the game, it was maybe 10 minutes. And then, dude, I was expecting a huge brouhaha to get into the game. Dude, it took like two seconds. It was literally nothing. You've been to the stadium. So the normal place that you get in, they extended that to the parking lot where there was no parking for regular people. So 
you went through this little scanner and then you went in and they checked your backpack. No frisking, no COVID uh, vaccinations has nothing. They just made sure <laughs> our tickets were legit. And then we were in, dude. It, the process didn't take more than two minutes. So wow. uh, shocking how efficient it was. And they had a bunch of cool stuff set up. It really felt like a neutral site considering, mm -hmm. you know, that it was in the Rams backyard. And, uh, you know, uh, the stadium is great. The stadium is just perfect. You know, tons of restrooms, tons of concessions. They had lots of, um, you know, options for you there. And then, you know, getting out was easy, too. The longest wait was like, you know, 30 minutes to get back on the shuttle. But then, like I said, 10 minutes to the car. And I was on the 405 before, you know. You could Winging even think about anything. That's right. I took the 405 to victory and then went on the 101, you know, so <laughs> did our whole California thing. But, yeah, they did a great job doing it. And, um, you know, the the extra crew was super courteous and just a, a great, great event. And uh, obviously all the seats in the stadium were great. And I met Tim Howard, the uh, former goalkeeper of the U.S. men's national oh. team. So that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, and how about, did you find yourself watching the game more with eyes on the field, Casey, or on the monstrous infinity board? You know, I watched the field, and then I would go to the board for the replay. Yeah. You know, right. so I was really, uh, we were high up. We were really high, but we still had a good, <laughs> good view of the field. You know, and then you'd go to the board, and right. that thing is monstrous, too. Oh, and if you're, uh, I, I have to put this on the football dude's um, Instagram page. Took a, a picture with a elderly lady there because I really liked her shirt and I was wearing my Kobe shirt and she really liked it. So we took a picture and that made it up onto the Jumbotron at wow. the game. I missed getting the camera up in time, but it was pretty cool making the Jumbotron at my first Super Bowl. So uh, <laughs> great time to have. And the whole thing, you know, start to finish was about 12 hours. So, you, you know, you can't beat it. Wow. Sounds awesome, dude. All right. So you had a you had a heck of an experience there, Casey. Let's get into a little bit of the sideshow before we get into the more of the uh, the nooks and crannies of the actual football game. How about that halftime show, dude? Gathering of pretty um, amazing uh, stars there in Los Angeles. Uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop sort of, in my opinion, really took the, the stage there and dominated. But everyone really contributed in an, in an incredible way. Totally. You know, everybody was talking about the the Sean McVay coaching tree for all these young coaches. But this was really the coaching tree of Dr. Dre, you know, discovered <laughs> most of these artists except for Mary J. But it had such a Los Angeles feel to it, even like, you know, how they had the uh, the map, the overhead view of the neighboring yeah, was cities was cool and how it came together so quickly. And uh, they pieced it together. Great display, dude. And one thing TV didn't really... Um, get across was how loud it was there. You know, I talked about it. I thought it was like a 70, 30 Bengals crowd, but when the, the performers were going on at halftime, it was going bonkers, dude. And when Eminem came out, the mm -hmm. place collectively lost its S. I mean, <laughs> it was so loud. The roars for him were great and just an awesome, awesome halftime. You know, it lived up to the hype. There's so many things that don't, this actually did. Yeah, I mean, and for me, you know, normally I tune out of the halftime show. This time I find myself sitting on my couch and really enjoying it. Not necessarily, as you know, Casey, my style of music, not my cup of tea. But I was really entertained. Uh, I thought the song selections were good. I thought the, the way the stage uh, highlighted different performers at different times and then brought them together in different ways. Um, 
I, I thought it was really, really well put together, and I thought it was one of the best halftime shows I've ever seen. So yeah, it was great. And it, the crowd loved it, man. Everybody was up dancing the whole time, screaming. It was, it was, it was very cool. <laughs> right. Okay, Casey. Obviously, besides the game itself, one of the big highlights of the Super Bowl is the commercials. The ads this year were roughly 6.5 million per 30 Oof. seconds, and they certainly brought in um, some heavy hitters. Some big stars uh, were in these uh, commercials and there were some pretty entertaining ones which ones jumped out at you as the most entertaining well at first i didn't realize there were so many different cryptocurrencies and electric vehicles it seemed like every <laughs> commercial was one of those but Dave, i had three commercials that i really liked coming in third place was the liquid death water with all the kids they were like partying you know but they were just drinking water so it was kind mm -hmm. of a, a cool take on that number two was uh seth rogan and paul rudd with the lay's potato chip and uh <laughs> seth getting married there were some good chuckles in there but my favorite commercial was larry david the uh with the <laughs> cryptocurrencies there um not believer in all the modern technologies actually had me gassing dude that was really good yeah, I like the Larry Dave one quite a bit too. Um, I enjoyed the um, the Austin Powers, uh, yeah, <laughs> reinventing uh, the uh, the Austin Powers uh, there. That was pretty impressive uh, with uh, Doctor Evil and the mini evil, mini Doctor Evil and Scott and all that. <laughs> trying to push the button over again uh, on everybody. So I thought that one was pretty funny. I know I saw the Zeus one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger before the Super Bowl, they had some lead up ones that were, that had me kind of uh, chuckling a little bit with uh, a kid in the coffee shop there. But um, yeah, um, it was pretty, it was pretty entertaining stuff. Yeah. But this righteous bucks, dude, that is so expensive. So I wonder if any of these cats got their money's worth on it. I guess we're talking about it. So they kind of did, right? Yeah. There you have it. Right. Okay. Case, let's get to the game. I mentioned, it was a little bit of a back-and-forth game. Rams took the lead late and were able to hold on for the victory, dude. Uh, what, what, how, how do we get started into this thing? You know, the first takeaway from it for me was I didn't feel like either of these two teams were head and shoulders above the rest of the playoff teams and even a couple teams that didn't get into the playoffs. I, it really felt like, and maybe this is a thing to come, that it was anybody's game in the playoffs. Anybody could have gotten hot and made the run that these two teams did, you know. Um, Perhaps the downside of parity, which we like so much, is that there isn't really, um, a, you know, a team that is the team each year, yeah. right? Yeah, but that being said, both of these teams played very well on the biggest stage, you know. Uh, the Rams got out to that 10-point lead early, but... No one could ever put this game away. There was opportunities for both teams, and any time they had it, just couldn't pull away, you know, and it, yeah. it stayed a one-score game for most of the game. So that's something that everybody, I think, can appreciate there. Yeah, no and, question. Um, it's a good game when you don't know who's going to win, and there's not that much time left, right? When it's yeah. close enough for either team to take the lead and win the, and win the Super Bowl, that's, that keeps you uh, gripping, you know? Yeah, and this Bengals defense, dude, they were really coming into their own, man. I was so impressed by what they did against uh, the run there. And then, you know, limiting the big play, of course, you know, they had a couple. I think the longest play they gave up was 35 yards, and that was, you know, one of – that was uh, OBJ play. So, um, you know, tight defense. They played pretty well there. Um, speaking of OBJ, dude, it was a bummer to see him go down in this thing because he was working his way – to something very special there and a, a non-contact 
you know, uh, injury that happened. We've seen that happen so often this season. Yeah, and on the positive side for for Beckham is he did get the touchdown early on. Like you said, he was performing very well. And obviously, um, he's he's on a contract here. So in the big picture of things, uh, he's going to be recovering basically a large portion of next season in all likelihood. So it's certainly going to impact, you know, how his contract situation pans out. Yeah, and he might take a little less just to stay in L.A. And just to seg real quick, Dave, I'm sure some of the folks out there have seen it, but um, Van Jefferson finding out on the field after he just won oh, the yeah. Super Bowl that his wife is having a baby. And he's like, come on, kids, we got to go. Mom's having a baby. They're like, well, he's like, no, we got to go. So that was really cool. <laughs> and to see him holding that little baby later, uh, just cloud nine that dude is. You know what I mean? Can you believe winning the Super Bowl and then going to see the birth of your child? Wow. Wow. Oh, what a day. That'll be a day he'll never, ever forget, dude. No question. So, But let's get back to the game, Dave. I'm sagging on all this other stuff that right. happened, you know, but it's the Super Bowl. Third quarter, bro, I don't think that we've ever seen anything like that. First play from scrimmage, boom, 75 yards over the top. Yeah. T. Higgins. Yeah, and it looked like, obviously, the officials missed one on that one. Uh, oh, we'll as, get to that, dude. We're yeah, gonna oh. as the uh, the face mask there. Uh, but yeah, huge play there, Casey. And then it wasn't that long after that that they uh, got the ball back uh, via turnover there and uh, scored another uh, field goal. Uh, but it was still early in the third quarter, and uh, the Bengals kind of ran out of juice offensively in terms of putting points on the board. Yeah, they had a real opportunity there, you know, to put this thing away. And they could have Aaron Donald getting a huge sack on third down. They had to settle for three. And that kept, you know, the game within a score there, dude. Yeah. And for the longest time towards as the as the game was heading towards the fourth quarter and then into the fourth quarter, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever, uh, eight minutes left. I felt like the Bengals had the ball a couple of times with a four point lead. And it felt like to me, like, man, if the Bengals could put together a drive here for a score, a touchdown, um, then they're really going to turn the heat on this Rams squad. But they were unable to do that, Casey, and get that separation. Yeah. You know, um, remember when uh, Aaron Donald, like, shoved Shiesty down? Clean play. But then the Bengals lineman kind of came and got in his face. Yes. That, like, lit the fuse for him because that pass rush after that was completely dominant. Yeah. And uh, like I said, dude, there was 10 minutes left in the third quarter when the Bengals kicked that field goal and they didn't score again. So that kind of, um, you know, fired those guys up. But, Dave, what more could you ask for? Stafford got the ball with like six minutes left, a chance to show the world why they brought him in there, dude. Oh, yeah. You know, all you got to do is drive down and get the touchdown. Yeah, it was a, it was a awesome. And he had overcome the two interceptions earlier in the game. So a lot of pressure on him there to really perform, you know, it was kind of down to the wire there. And uh, again, officials kind of kicked in a little bit, but they were able to move down the field and get that go-ahead score. Oh, yeah, dude. And remember, that drive started with the fourth and one on the Rams' own 30, that little end-around to Cooper Cup picking right. up that first down. The way he juked, I think it was Bell. I'm not sure who the defender was, but he did that little thing. He's so good in space and made mm-hmm. sure he picked up the yards. And, of course... Um, they got down there, and that's when, you know, all hell broke loose with the officiating. They finally do get the ball in the end zone, score that go-ahead touchdown. But there was still like a minute 20 left for, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And to me, it felt like, oh, 
we're going to go down and at least tie this thing, if not win it. Yeah, and then at that point, Casey, I think you had a little bit of a, uh, concerns or questions, really, about the Bengals' play calling there uh, in that last drive. Yeah, you know, got to give it up, though. So they're around midfield. Eric Weddle, dude, off the beach, comes in, makes the tackle on Tyler Boyd, sets up the second one. Dave, give me that first down. No, they decided to air it out, and it was just kind of a, a – it was a complete throwaway because uh, Burrow and Chase weren't on the same – uh, you know, the same page for what the play did. It was mm. the ball was like 15 yards out of bounds. I just want to get my first down right there, dude. I want every chance to pick that up. I didn't think that was a great play call. And now you're down to two downs to try to get this first. Yeah. And as it turned out, uh, didn't pan out so well for the Bengals. No, you know, uh, Zach Taylor said he couldn't get Samaj out of there because they were running out of time. So he got the, the ball on third down. Aaron Donald didn't make a grown-ass man tackle to stop yeah. him. He just stopped him in his tracks and pulled him backwards. But, uh, you know, Samaje is a great back, but there's a there's another back yeah. on that Bengals squad. Yeah, I mean, I think we both would have loved to see uh, Joe Mixon out there. You know, for me, I like w- when it comes down to the wire and when you really need something, you got to go to the guys that are your best playmakers. And Mixon had a phenomenal season all year long, made the plays for that Bengals squad from the running back position. Uh, and I thought he was having himself a pretty good game considering how good the Rams defense was playing. Yeah. Um, so uh, no, no doubt. I would have definitely preferred to see uh, Mixon in there uh, on, on the every play on that last drive for sure. Yeah, dude, 15 carries, 72 yards, almost five yards a carry, man. That makes me think he could get that one yard. Yeah. But then, you know, you're sitting there at fourth and one. They don't bring him in again, um, and Aaron Donald just disrupts the flow there. They've shown it a couple of times. I don't know if you've looked at it yet, but Jalen Ramsey had fallen down, and Jamar Chase was going to go into the end zone by himself if Joe oh. could have bought just a little more time, dude. Right. And, uh, and Joe, you know, Joe uh, Burrow back there is really, really slippery in the pocket. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it just could not get away from Donald that time. Uh, like you said, had he done that, could have been an unbelievable, unbelievable play for the Bengals. Yeah, but then, you know, it goes to hold on, and the Rams get that stop, and uh, they get the, you know, the Lombardi because of that. And you talked about your best players, dude. Aaron Donald, a machine on defense. Cooper Cup, after OBJ went down, there was nobody else on there. You know, Jefferson and Cup, everybody knew Cup was getting the football, yeah. And yet the Bengals couldn't do anything about it, man. So the, the biggest players for the Rams stepped up in crunch time. And, you know, that's how you cement a legacy right there, dude. No doubt. I mean, you mentioned it. Cup and Donald, both worthy of the MVP with the way Donald finished the game there. But Cup finished it offensively uh, by getting uh, that the second of his touchdowns uh, on the day. And he literally was uncomfortable. And, and the, the officials made the calls down there late um and that was cup getting open he was just very difficult to cover and a little um not an mvp nod or anything but eric weddle you know coming out of retirement from being retired two years and then touring tearing his pack and playing and he did that early i don't know when first second quarter there yeah i think it was the first quarter yeah plays the rest of the game through that pain and uh, it's not an MVP performance, but it is a performance that is very admirable. And, hey, they needed him. I mean, the, that Bengals offense is loaded with receivers, and they were relying on Weddle to be out there. So uh, props to 
uh, at the MVP uh, Cooper Cup. I thought his season and, like you said, the fact that the the other receivers were were going going down. You didn't have yeah. Robert Woods. You didn't have OBJ. Right, the run game wasn't working. You know, and then on the other side, Donald had a phenomenal game, but there was Von Miller. He also had two yeah. sacks in this football game. There's Jalen sure. Ramsey. He made some big plays, you know. So and on that side, I think maybe since Cup was like sort of last man standing or whatever, um, you know, and obviously touchdowns, you know, kind of are get, get your eyes bulging, right? Yeah, I mean, you go back, you look at him. He had the first, uh, not the first score of the game, but he had the, the score early on. He had the uh, first down on the fourth down from their own 30 on that yeah. drive, and he yep. caught the game-winning touchdown. So it's hard to say that that dude wasn't the MVP, you right. know, but they give it to Donald. I can see that, too. But you mentioned, or- dude, Cooper Cup. What an insane season, bro. There's, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen stuff like this, man. Epic, yeah. dude. Yeah, when you t- talk about, I mean, his entire, the entirety combined, you know, 178 catches for 2,425 yards. Wow. I mean, unbelievable uh, the productivity that he had. And it just seemed like, again, what, you couldn't guard him at any point in the game, but when they really needed something, he was always open and always oh. made, the pay, made the big play. And very difficult to tackle, very elusive. Oh, yeah, dude. And you take it back to the other games in the playoffs, too. You know, the, the, the Cardinals game's kind of a wash, but in that Tampa game, he had the uh, catch early. Or, or it's late that got them out to about the 40. Then he had the deep one that set up the game-winning field goal. So yeah. he's done this throughout the playoffs all season long. So to be rewarded with that, you know, the whole body of work, impressive, dude. If You know, who would have thought that this guy would turn out to be the best receiver in the league, you know? And it doesn't <laughs> right. feel like it's close right now. Yeah, it doesn't. And he's a third-round draft pick, too. So plenty wow. of teams could have had uh, Cooper Cup uh, on their squad. It's one of those ones that makes you go back and actually look at who you drafted, <laughs> you know, and go like, damn, you know, we could have had Cup instead of that guy. Ugh. But um, yeah, I'm sure a, a lot of fans have gone back in and spotted, damn, we could have had Cup. Holy moly, this guy's good. Casey, speaking of not so good, though, the officiating all year uh, was not good. And we talked about it week in and week out. Um, the inconsistency is one of the things that really frustrates you and me the most of anything between the crews from crew to crew, what's a penalty, what's not a penalty. And in this particular game, there was inconsistency as well as the officials seemingly didn't throw flags hardly at all, all game long. And then at the end of the game, it seemed like they got a little flag happy. Yeah, dude. And, you know, judgment calls are one thing, but you take this back to the Bengals opening drive, going for it on fourth and one there. Aaron Donald is clearly offsides. His helmet is over the ball. Go ahead and put that up on our uh, Instagram and our Twitter later for the people to see. Yeah, That's not a judgment call, bro. That's like you look at it, and you can obviously tell this guy is right. offsides. So that probably yeah. changes. That counts as a turnover. Turnover on down. There's a line like, judge, you know. Casey, right there at the line. He, he should be looking at that and see Aaron Donald's helmet is clearly over the ball. Yeah, you know, and then when the Bengals went down there on the second drive, Jalen Ramsey's clearly got a handful of shirt on T. Higgins. They settle for three there. Kind of comes back when T. Higgins had the huge touchdown and face-masked Ramsey. Ramsey. So a little go back in there. But, Dave, on that final drive for the Rams, it was a second and seven on uh, the Bengals' side of the field. A blatant false start that's not called. Instead of that, it's a 22-yard reception. 
to Cooper Cup. I don't know if they get the stop on third and 12, but I like or second 12 more than second seven. Blatantly missed. And then, dude, the biggest point of the game, the third and goal for the Rams down there. They hit Wilson with a holding penalty, but the play should have never happened, dude. Because it was a false start again. Clear false start, dude. Yeah. It's not like even like milliseconds. Like the yeah. whole line is moving except for the center. Yeah. I don't know how they miss it. I don't know either, man. It was mind blowing. If you watch it in slow motion, the the ta- both tackles are uh, like at least a yard and a half, two yards into their retreat before the ball was snapped. Yeah. So the play shouldn't happen. But even when the play <laughs> does happen, dude, Logan Wilson is not holding. The guy's having the game of his career, dude. Nine tackles, three for loss, and a pass defended. It should have been two. He's in good possession. It's so hard to cover him. And you saw the left hand. It had no jersey at all. It's touching him. You can touch him. You just can't, you know, impede the yeah, throw. You can't redirect him. You can't push, pull, or twist. Yeah, right? and he was doing none of those, dude. And I, I, it's the consistency that kills us here, especially, yeah. like, in a game you're not calling anything, and now you're yeah. going to jump in when it matters the most. Yeah, and it's, like, weird because, you know, when you think of basketball, they swallow the whistle in the final seconds of a game yeah. rather than this one. Uh, you know, which it, it just was an odd approach. You know, I think we were okay with there being a little bit less laundry on the field all day long, but then absolutely right there at the end uh, for for it to just sort of change. You know, it, it, the, the thing is, the players can adjust to the way the officiating is going in a, in the course of a game, and you know, hey, that, that, then they know what they can and can't get what get away with. You know, but yeah. this one seemed to to change on uh, on the Bengals there late, and it certainly cost them uh, as they gave up the lead. Yeah, dude, and there's for no the excuse time. for, you know, mistakes on a pre-snap penalty. A false start right. is a false start. That's not, oh, I don't know how they miss it. Mind-blowing. But, you know, it was it's terrible all around. It's terrible week to week, you know. we just like to see it have some consistency. And, you know, if it's P.I. in the first quarter, it's P.I. in the fourth. If it's not in the first, it shouldn't be in the fourth. So, that's the biggest problem for me looking at the NFL moving forward is how do they fix it? Yeah, a couple of officials retired, Casey. I think they really need to do um, some serious work um, trying to get these officials all on the same page. And, yeah. Uh, and right. get more help from the, the eye in the sky. Yeah. Use the technology. We have it for everything else. Get the call right. I mean, we all hate it when it's a pass interference that goes against us or a fumble that gets turned over, but we want the right call. That matters more than anything. We have the technology. Let's make it happen, people. All right, Case. Let's talk a little bit about um, how these teams got here, right? Obviously, um, <laughs> the um, the team-building approach with the Rams versus the Bengals, a little bit different. There were some similarities and there were some differences. Yeah, you know, the Rams, ever they've traded all their first-round picks. You know, they don't. I think it'll be six or seven years total span before they have one. But what they, you know, you can't miss on a first-round pick. When you do miss your first-round pick, it sets your franchise back. So they've just, you know, traded these for established players, which, you know, looks pretty smart now. Sure, it might not have worked if they didn't get to the Super Bowl, but Dave, they did, you know. And right. they traded a first-rounder for Jan- Ramsey. They traded first-rounders for Stafford. You know, they traded picks for Von Miller. two first-rounders for Ram- Ramsey, and they traded, a, I think, a third and a fourth or a second and a third for Von Miller this year, too. So, uh, yeah, obviously, three first-rounders for Stafford, I believe, was part of the— I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say what part was what in that whole compensation package. But, uh, yeah, they were handing out picks like they were, you know— uh, 
whatever candies <laughs> yeah mints at the restaurant or something you know <laughs> but a um, little praline mm, tasty yeah i mean there's going to be hell to pay at some point you have to assume uh when some of these bills cut you know they're going to have to resign uh stafford at some point right and yeah. uh they obviously don't have a lot of young talent that's um that's cheap in the first, second, third rounds of the last handful of years, they've traded those picks away. But they have done a nice job finding picks. We talked about Cup. He was a third-round pick, right? Yeah. They found guys that in the later rounds kind of fill out that roster and balance it out. And those are important players on the football team, too. Yeah, dude. And if, you know, you say, would I sacrifice seven years of mediocrity for uh, two Super Bowl appearances and a win? Yeah, yes, I would, dude. It's been 20-plus years for me, and we've had all our picks, and it hasn't worked out at all. So, Right, and when you're a player and you see, hey, um, this team is going all in to win the Super Bowl, then that attracts a guy like an OBJ to say, I want to play for that squad because, you know, and they didn't have to give up any picks for OBJ. They just yeah. had to pick up the... The, the tail end of that contract. Oh, that I think they just signed up to a very um, modest contract. So, um, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of thing when you when you got the momentum built up like that, then people want to join forces with you. You know, totally. And then you flip it over to the Bengals. They've built through the draft too, but they were also in position to be in the crappiest team when a Joe Burrow comes out. You know, yeah. Joe gets hurt, and then they're in position to add a Jamar Chase to that too. Yeah. So. Um, it's kind of the same thing here. I mean, we didn't think, I guess we did think that Joe Burrow would be a camp miss. You know, you don't know until he right. gets out there, but same with Chase. So um, if you use those and you score on them, then it's a good job. But they brought over a ton of free agents, too, to kind of fix this defense. It wasn't all done through the draft. Yeah, I think it, I think six, seven starters uh, were uh, acquired prior to this season to rebuild what was not a very good defense last year. And obviously the Bengals... We're playing a lot better defense, especially we talked about it heading into this playoff run that made them the Super Bowl run where they really shut teams down in the second half of all three of their playoff games that led up to the Super Bowl appearance. So, yeah, um, no question, a mix for them in terms of acquiring some some veteran skill as well as um, drafting really high and picking right, you know, totally. And dude, I don't want to get away from this uh, before we're out of here. You got to give it up for Big Wit, dude. How cool is that? Big time. Uh, be the oldest player in the league. Finally get that Super Bowl. Not only get the Super Bowl, but do it against the team that drafted you that you played for and love. Oh, yeah, and throwing the Walter May Payton Man of the Year award, man. What a what a season for him, too. No doubt. And there was talk of him walking away uh, after that, and you certainly couldn't blame him, man. That one, that one's a... Uh... That's a nice uh, curtain call right there to get it all done on that stage right there at SoFi Stadium, uh, winning the Super Bowl, being the oldest guy, winning the Walter Payton Award. I mean, it all came together for for him this year. So it's pretty impressive. And Dave, man, what a season, bro. I mean, we saw week to week so many games ending on the last play leads, uh, double digit leads disappearing, teams yeah. coming back. Um just an epic season, man, and uh, I'm completely stoked for, you know, football moving forward. <laughs> We've got the USFO. We've got the draft. We've got the season right around the corner. It's all coming, Casey. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, folks, that is going to do it. So many ways to check out the Football Dude subscription available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. 
TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check out the Trend Zone, the podcast you listen to right now. And just because the season is over doesn't mean you won't get more of that sweet, sweet, sweet football dudes content. We're going to be hitting you guys with our astronomical 2021 fantasy recap show. You don't want to miss that. We'll be hitting the combine and have draft coverage too. So make sure you hang out with us all off season. Like us on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Football Dudes LA. Make sure you tag us across all social media platforms. And we want to thank you guys for hanging with us all season, man. We definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. You can also just head on over to footballdudes.com. It's all there for you. That is going to do it for this episode of the Trend Zone. For Casey, I'm Dave. We're the Football Dudes, and we are out of here.